are we doing this morning? Everybody good? Everybody good? Let me grab my hot tea real quick. Because <coughs> I get dried out a little bit. Yeah, by the way, I love that since we went to three services a couple weeks ago, it's done exactly what we thought it would do. It's kind of give us a little bit of elbow room in each of the services, doesn't it? It's kind of nice. Everybody's like, all right, all right. Plus all you, what's that? Speaker. <laughs> She's all up on it. That's so funny. That's so funny. Well, guys, my name is Casey. We've got some new uh, visitors in, in the house. Um, obviously, good to see Toby and Cassandra, but uh, we've got some uh, first-timers as well. A uh, couple of quick things. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, I definitely want to. Um, I think we have had, so far this month, about 40 first- or second-time guests in our church, which is amazing and awesome and wonderful. Um, hey, in your bulletins, if you would, there is a Connect card that if you'll fill that out, especially if you're a first- or second-time guest, put that on there. Um, we want to definitely be able to, to know who you are and, and get in contact with you. We've had lots of people uh, choose to follow Jesus uh, in this, this year, by the way. We've had uh, 30 baptisms so far. We've got a couple more scheduled over the next couple weeks as well. So if you're interested in getting baptized, let us talk to you through some of that. Some people have an emotional decision to get baptized and that kind of thing, and I love the emotions of it. But we want to make sure that people fully understand that we are not just dunking you and getting you wet, but we're making you a disciple because we ain't done with you, right? Like once you get, once you get dunked, like, like we're going to walk with you and talk with you. And, and what you have done once you decide to follow Jesus, and I tell people all the time, people think I'm strange. Like somebody says, I want to come follow Jesus, I'm, and, I, I, and I try to talk them out of it. Now, I, I'm an evangelist at heart. I love, see, pe- I love people see, like, like knowing Jesus and things like that. But if I can say, hey, listen, if you get baptized and you start following Jesus, your life might get harder because the enemy is now awake and trying to try to throw you off, right? Like, it, are you ready for that? Like, if people think, oh, no, don't say that, don't say that. No, no, we got to people because if I can talk somebody out of it on Sunday morning in like in front of a group of people that love Jesus and want to see somebody become a disciple, they got no chance on Monday when they go to work or the school or anything. Amen? I mean, this is a real deal. So we want to talk you through it. I don't want to talk you out of it. If I can, then you're not ready, right? Does that make sense? That makes sense. So just kind of look on those things. We've got several things that are going on. If you heard the announcements right there, uh, we got City Walk coming up next month, which is our introduction to New City Church. we got To Your Table. If you want to go visit with somebody during the week and have a have a meal with somebody, we can do that. We can set that up. Different ministry opportunities. If you want to be in the parking lot greeting people. By the way, isn't that cool that people just wave? I, I love it. I get more comments about that. Man, people are actually waving, pe- waving to people in the parking lot. That's kind of cool. I know. It's like, yeah, that's, that's who we are. Man, it's kind of one of those things. We want to make sure we are, are blessing you guys for sure. And we are in a new series. By the way, if you have never, if you've been with us for a couple of years, you're familiar with What If the Church. And we are starting that again this week. We're going to be over this over the next few weeks. What we've done is partnered with other churches and done service projects and loved on people, done a pastor exchange and all kinds of stuff. We've had people um, coming, you know, like coming to the coming to the church. Remember, guys, we had Terry Glenn here last year. How much of a blessing that was from Old Harvest Ministries over. Yeah, so Terry was here for a couple of times, and man, loved that, and we went and served him. This year is going to be a little bit different, though. It is going to be, um, oop, I should get more hands. Ah. This year is going to be a little different. What it is is um, we are doing something called Bless, and this is in your bulletin. In your bulletin, if you open that up, it will show you exactly what Bless means, and this guide will help us to, to go through that as well and get you a little bit more ex- 
of an explanation. Essentially, what we are doing is we are going to learn what it means to bless the neighborhood and, and help people get to know Jesus in a way that Jesus helped people get to know him. Like, it doesn't make any sense for us to go to somebody's house and knock on the door and open the Bible and say, you're living in sin, and this, that's not what Jesus did. He never did it, did he? I mean, it's like, you look in the scriptures. The only time he threw down scripture to somebody is to the religious people that should have known better. And I love that. Now, I'm not saying that scriptures can never be used in uh, a party environment or anything like that, but I'll tell you this. A lot of times people want to come in and, and, and convert people to their way of thinking when we need to go party with people. I'm not saying go out, go out clubbing and raving and stuff like that. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, man, open up your home to the neighborhood and say, hey, y'all come over for a barbecue. Let's go. Right? What would it look like? Too many times, too many of us in our communities don't even know our next door neighbor. I had a guy that, um, that uh, we, we live on a cul-de-sac. So my, back, my, my front yard is really, really small. My backyard is a, a little bigger, you know. And so in the very back corner, there's a guy that lives up there. And we wave every once in a while, hey, how's it going? He's on his deck. I'm in the backyard mowing or whatever. We so happen to be um, weed eating in the same corner. I said, dude, we've got to finally meet each other. How you doing? What's your name? Name's John, I think. I've got to remember that. I've only met him once. But he moved here 18 years ago to his house the same month I moved to my house. And this is the first time we've met. Shame on me, right? But we did it, right? But I know my neighbor's in the back. Right, they're, in, they're an Indian couple. I assume they're Hindu. No, they're Pentecostal Christians. I'm like, yes, love it. Right? Got, got my next door neighbor, Ray and Pat. Got Tom and Cheryl next door. We all, all our kids grew up together, that kind of thing. We got to spend some time together. But I was like, I cannot believe we haven't met. Seriously, I can't believe we God, that's, that's amazing, man. My bad, right? And so for us, man, what does it look like for us to intentionally be out and look like, like trying to engage those that we live around? One of the things that we can do, and, I, and we're going to do this as a, as a what if the church kind of a project. And so it's a little different. Like I said, this isn't going to be spread mulch. This is going to be uh, digital, right? I want you to look at this. Uh, write this down in your bulletin. I don't know if we've got it on the, on the screen or not, but write this down on your bulletin. Uh, it's uh, not even www. We don't even say that anymore, do we? Man, I like old school, though. It just sort of flows right off. Right? But it's uh, pray for, pray, P-R-A-Y, the number four everyhome.com <coughs> what i actually 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 cut and paste off of it they changed it oh the it's blesseveryhome.com scratch that man can we tell the first service i'm kidding we'll get it we get bless every home it got changed really ah i took it right off their right off their stuff so that's cool so it's bless every is not bless for every home though is it blesseveryhome.com man that's quick i love you guys man you guys are the bomb. We know we just test. We just testing y'all. It's cool. So yeah, yeah. I actually took that off. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. So yeah, blesseveryhome.com. Um, I need to change that in my notes because I'm gonna forget the third service. Blesseveryhome.com. What this is? This is a network of people that actually name homes that specifically they are praying for. Like we can highlight homes that we're praying for, people that we're praying for, homes that have been served by other believing Christians. And my understanding, I talked to one of the guys that, that runs this whole thing, there are in the Kansas City metro area 10,000 specific homes that are being prayed for. That's awesome, right? That's amazing. And we're going to be a part of that and knowing what it means. But in, in the meantime, it doesn't just, like, like we've got to learn to do things the way Jesus did. 
And we are going to be going through John 1 and 2 today. And, and I want to talk you through a little bit about the uh, visions that we have that God has laid on us as a church. We've got a, new, a lot of new uh, visitors, so I, I like to, every other week or so, make sure we're reminded of why we are here, what God has laid on us to do. And what these visions are, some people call them outcomes. So if you hear somebody call it, say something like, this is a 2020 outcome or 2020 vision. I like 2020 vision because it makes more sense. But that's the way, uh, way I roll. I like to, like to look at these. So these are things that God has laid on us by the year 2020. He wants us to be this kind of church. And so what I say is, I, I, I say these things in the present tense, because I don't want to say we will be, because by 2019, if we're saying we will be, we ain't going to be, right? Like, we, we want to speak this language now, like we are. This is who we are. So in your bulletins, you can fill this out, too. It says, we are a church where everyone is known, and everyone knows that they are known. I've had people question, well, as we get bigger and as we grow and as we have, God keeps making more people, how are we going to keep it small and stuff like that? This is how we do it. One of the reasons why we do sign-up sheets, if you guys will pass those down, please write your name. We pray for your names. We want to know your names. The more times we see your names, the more times it's highlighted for us and we can remember, oh, yeah, hey, what's up, Bill? Hey, what's up, Carl? Hey, what's up? Like, if I know your name and you don't know why, if I go, hey, what's how, how you doing? Right? But I know your name, Dave. Dave knows that I know Dave's name. Amen? So one of, the things that, uh, one of the things I love the word bless is that in the original language when Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, that the, they will inherit the earth, that, that this means that Jesus says that God knows your name. That's what it means to be blessed. It's not about what God gives us. It's the fact that he says, you are my sheep, you hear my voice, you know me, and you follow me. I give them eternal life. This is what it means to be blessed. Does that make sense? And I love that. We want to know. So if God knows your name, then we want to know your name too. Amen? Second vision that God has given us. And these build on each other. We are a church who makes disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. You are not a disciple of Jesus until your disciples are making disciples. Does that make sense? I mean, we talk about this a lot. Jesus said before he was ascended, that to go and make disciples, therefore, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and this is where it's neglected in the American church, teach them to obey. Like, we're not done with you if you get dunked, right? A lot of people say, hey, we're going to baptize somebody, throw them in a Bible study, we made a disciple. No, we ain't done jack, right? Because they haven't learned how to obey. That's the key point, amen? Third vision that God has given us. We are a church where the community is better off, because we are in it, and the community knows it. So it's not just enough to go, to go and, and, and spread mulch in a community, that kind of thing. I want people to know that I don't know what I would do without this church. I don't, if you guys had not come here, we don't know where we would be. Lost. So guys, what we've seen is we've seen addictions being raised up. We have seen, uh, and, le- and like, taken off of people. It, it's, it's, it's incredible to watch. We've watched marriages be restored because we're here. And not because we come and we, we want to like engage people in a Bible study, but because we're teaching people to obey and God, His Holy Spirit is moving. It is an amazing and incredible and wonderful thing to be a part of. We are a part of a movement. As I'm going to talk a little bit later about what that movement is going to look like, kind of some vision that God has given us. But I will tell you this, God four years ago when He said, like he said, there's a church in Edgerton that I want you to, to be thinking about. 
and they wound up three years ago. We've been up open officially about two and a half years. But God said that this church and this town is going to do something historic. Like a hundred years from now, people are going to be reading about what we're doing today. I'm serious about that. Like, like it, like so many times people say, and we went door to door when we first got here, and we, we asked people what they loved about Edgerton, what they, what they wanted to see different, and how could we help as a church. And many times people said, hey, don't expect too much. There's not much going on in our town. We literally heard somebody say, Edgerton is the armpit of Johnson County. Come on, man. Well, I understand, that's, but that's what I heard people say, right? But let me tell you something. God did something crazy in Nazareth, didn't he? A podunk little town that nobody wanted to be a part of. Let me tell you guys something else. There is some things coming and are continue to come that is going to blow our minds. Will we be a part of it? Or are we going to stand back and go, oh, I'm going to let God do his thing with somebody else? See, God is already filling up our church. Like I said, we, we're about a 300-person church now, which is crazy. Everybody's like, well, here's, what, here's the amazing thing. When we first started, we were praying for 50 people. God, it'd be awesome if we had 50 people. We got, fi- we got probably 100 people between upstairs and downstairs today in this one service. And I'm not saying that that's why we're here, just to fill up a building. But we want to have, like, make disciples like crazy. Engage the community like crazy. Like see people's lives turn from brown to green. Man, it's awesome. Finally, 2020 vision of New City Church that we are an extremely generous church. And what that means is that we are not just a church that, that, that goes and feeds the homeless and stuff like that. But we see everything as God's. Our time, our talents, our money, everything is God's. And we are giving and, and generous and sacrificially generous to those who are in need. Amen? That's who we are. And so as we go through John 1 and 2, I want you guys to be jotting down. If you guys got, the, if you guys got the, uh, the, those 2020 outcomes, the 2020 visions on your paper, I want you to kind of mark off how many times you see God through his son Jesus doing this Thing. Jesus was God who came in the flesh. And by the way, if you're uh, freaked out by the fact that the Bible is the inerrant, inspired, complete word of God, uh, you might not feel comfortable here. Just telling you, this is what we believe. As I tell you, it's a, it's a, it's a remarkable thing to me. But listen to this, John 1, starting in John, starting in verse 1. <coughs> one of my favorite verses, several verses, 1 through 14 is awesome. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, and the word was, say this with me, the word was God, right? This is what we're talking about here. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a, it's like, hey, these words are really cool things that some people wrote down a few thousand years ago and stuff like that, and we're kind of using them as a guide for our lives and stuff like that. No, this is God. Like, like I, I, there's a, guys, you ever look, listen to the Babylon, or look at the Babylon Bee on Facebook or anything like that? It's so funny, right? And it was a guy, there's, a, there's this news story. And there's a guy that's praying on, the, he's got a picture, he's praying on the table. And it says, the headline is, man literally three feet away from the Bible asks God to speak to him. Like, this is the word. Like, God speaks through his word. And when you open it up, you will actually, you'll be stunned and amazed if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were evolved, made. 
Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him is, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, and it never will. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist. I love John the Baptist, man. Spirit of Elijah, just like Elijah. He was a man's man, just a tough dude, man. Combative for the gospel. It's crazy. Right? Like a lot of people, like we want to be so, so uh, gentle with everything like that. But this guy was a warrior, man. Like lived in the woods, ate bugs and honey and stuff. Can you imagine this guy? Never took a bath. It's awesome. Right? By the, by the way, this whole thing, spirit of Elijah, he's going to talk about. Elijah was a bad man pajama too. Like he would actually poke fun at the other God's priests. Like he'd say, hey, where's your God? I think he's in the bathroom. It's crazy. Who does that, right? He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world had not, was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God. Children of God. This is a family. This is why we call each other brothers and sisters. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Verse 14. The Word of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us, lived in the neighborhood. As we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, I, I, this just blows my mind. Let me take a sip here because I'm going to get crazy here in a second. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, nothing unusual, right? What we tend to do when we're trying to engage other people for the gospel is we'll try to go either all truth or all grace. But Jesus came full of grace and truth. Right? See, there's a balance here. See, Jesus with a woman at the well said, hey, you are shacking up with a dude and you've been married five times. Go and sin no more. But was gentle and loving and graceful enough to her that she went to absolutely everybody and told them, I found the Messiah. This is amazing. Like He, he would... Go to parties and go to different things. And he would say to people, go and sin no more. Your sins are forgiven. But they would ask him to come back. There's something about this Jesus. And those of us that are searching for the truth, those of us that are searching for the Lord, I want to, I, I got a problem with Jesus. I got issues with Jesus, that kind of thing. If you really understood who Jesus is in the Bible, you would love him and couldn't get enough of him. It's incredible. Like, like man, check this out. John Tech. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one who I, I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in the place of grace, in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus, the Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is and is, is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. 
Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. Now I love these religious guys 2,000 years ago. They're all, they've got like power plays and stuff like that. They're all like, i got to find out what this stirring is all about. Who is this John guy that's trying to baptize all these people? They're taking our people, right? So here's the thing. I'll, I'll get to it in a second. Dang, I want to say it so bad, but i got to wait. I'm not a slick professional, as you can tell. Although I did wear a jacket today. People are like, who died? Um, got a funeral, bro? <coughs> this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. I love John for this, humbly. People could say, are you the Messiah? He could have easily said, if he was self-serving, yeah, you can do that. we'll go with that. But he didn't. I'm not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, no, I am not. Are you the prophet? He said, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take, so, to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, which is a prophecy. Now the Pharisees who had sent who had been sent, questioned him. Why do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water. John replied, but among you stands one who you do, one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. I love this, man. He said, now it's no, it's no, re, like, no question why Jesus said, baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Because it was, a, it was a differentiation of how the baptisms were working at the time. We good? No, you're all right. I love that girl. Love you, manna. Lost my place. Where did it go? What's that? What verse was that? What's that? What did you say? Propitiation what? Differentiation. Oh, it's not in my notes here. Uh, oh, make place. Yeah, so the, now the Pharisee who had sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? Jesus baptized in, the, or John baptized in, the, in water, and he says, I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of his sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, look! The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has, has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I've seen and I have testified that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. There's a pattern here when John sees him, right? And then the two disciples heard him say this. They followed Jesus, keep in mind, I love this. John didn't go, hey, you're my disciples. How come you're going to go to another church? Right? Hey, hey, this is a big kingdom, ain't it? Like this, wherever God says to go, we go. 
That's why if people want to go follow Toby and Cassandra, get after it, baby. It's a big kingdom. Right? Hey, where are you going? Wait, wait, those are my disciples, Jesus. Ridiculous. But that's what we do. I'll never forget stepping into New City Church in Shawnee four years ago when God called me to pastor church. And Matt Miller, the lead pastor of our church, said, we're going to help you. We're going to love you. We're going to send people to your church. This was before. I mean, I was thinking about starting a church in my basement. He said, whatever you do, we'll help you. We'll teach you how to raise funds. We'll help you all that kind of stuff. Amazing. And we'll send people to your church. It's ridiculous. Nobody does that. Everybody else has these membership retention strategies and how can we keep people from leaving and all this kind of stuff. And yet, yet if we're generous, we're going to give them away, give people away. And God trusts us with more. Man, that's how it works. John didn't go, Jesus, those are my guys. I worked so long with them. I tried them all this stuff. I studied with them and stuff. Now you're going to take them away. What am I going to do? Jesus said, can you imagine John doing that? Bugs in his teeth. Oh, Jesus. He said, I love our church, boy. <clears throat> they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, knows his name. Does that sound familiar? You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas. Even changes his name. <laughs> I know your name and I'm going to give you a better one. Which then translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip. He said to him, follow me. Jesus makes disciples. We wound up making disciples. We wound up making disciples. And we're still doing it today. Amen. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Beth Bethsaida. Is that right? Bethsaida? How do you say it? Bethsaida. Okay, that'll work. I'm from the south. It's Bethsaida. <laughs> We like to say extra, extra enunciations. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Nazareth? Edgerton? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael said. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Probably made Nathaniel pee in his pants a little bit. Dude, what? Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. We will see greater things than what we have seen. New city. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open up and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, John 2. By the way, that took maybe seven minutes or so to read a chapter out loud with commentary, sometimes stupid commentary. Um, you think you could take that time on your own to do that? 
every day. If you ain't got time for that, you ain't got time for nothing. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Do you think they'd be invited if they were a bunch of pompous religious jerks? They'd be like, oh, please don't. Oh, if we have to invite Jesus, he's going to start whipping out Deuteronomy again. Tell us how much heathens we are, and we're going to go straight to hell. Don't invite him. Oh, he's going to ruin our wedding again. It's never about that, is it? See, these guys loved with grace and truth. Balanced. Balanced. Balanced, guys. When the wine was, uh, uh, mother was there, Jesus was, disciples had been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Now, understand something. This is not just like, oh, shoot, they ran out of wine. That stinks. Like, there are cultural, legal things going on here that people would save up wine from the time that their, their children were, were born. And if they didn't have enough wine at the wedding time and they ran out, it, they were considered not only uh, 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 bad stewards of resources, but they could also be sued. So this wasn't something that they were, oh, that stinks. Well, you know, we ought to help people get drunk some more and stuff like that. Let's make some more wine. No, there were some cultural, like, like a risk and some, some trouble that these folks were in. And Jesus was there. And he said to his mother, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind of the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And these folks that were serving were probably like, what are you doing? Right? They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew those who served get to see the miracles right nobody else saw this but those who were serving then he called to the bridegroom and said aside and said everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink but you have saved the best till now and he esteemed those folks right like he brought stature and favor back to the to the hosts made the community better because he's in it right catch what i'm saying on that like, how are we making things better? What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was, his, was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to the Capernaum to, with his mother and brothers and his disciples, and there they stayed for a few days. Almost done here, guys. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple courts. He found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. Now understand something. This was not just a, a commerce or capitalism or anything. These were people in the name of Jesus ripping people off. See, if you struggle with that, because this is what the, you think the church has done, oh, throughout the last 50 years, it's all about a money grab and that kind of thing. Jesus is mad about it too. Amen? He don't like it neither. He's going to show you. See, if I could help you see Jesus for who he is, you couldn't get enough of him. You will die. You're like, I got to be with him. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, 
Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple courts. He found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at, table, at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip. He made a whip. It wasn't like some snap thing. He's like, I can't believe this and loses his temper. He goes, huh. Y'all in trouble. Ooh, I'm going to get somebody. Premeditated. It wasn't a snap of a losing his temper. He makes a whip out of cords. And drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. A prophecy from the Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies. It's impossible unless he's God. If that wasn't enough, he rose from the freaking dead, right? Come on. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. What? They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. You are going to raise it in three days? Question mark. The temple had, he had spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said, and then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, Many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all the people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. And everybody said, Amen. As here's the deal. We've got opportunities all over the place that we're not seeing because we're focused with everything we got going on like we get to go learn people's names and know people's names and know that they are known and care for them jesus said that the greatest of commandments is to love god with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself do you love people enough or are you going to just be standing back and going ah, i got time for that today ain't nobody got time for that right we have opportunities to make disciples who learn how to make disciples because that's how war is won this is a war that we fight that we know the outcome of and yet some of us act like i don't know too busy to go make disciples that's the one thing jesus said to do go right make them wherever you are to all the nations teach them to obey Oh, people might get mad. Like, oh, you're going to be up in my business? No, no, man. I want this for you. Learn to obey. It's hard. Amen? Some of us that are going through some of this discipling that we're doing, it's tough. Like, God, I want to be around. Man, it's boy. Because it doesn't come natural to us. Commands are commanded because they're not natural to us. We want to make the community better that we're in it. And it knows it not because we go to spread mulch and paint walls and do really cool stuff and do supply drives or anything like that, but because people say, I don't know what I would be if this church was not here. 
I'd be lost, I'd be gone, I'd be dead, I'd be divorced, I'd be whatever if you were not here. That's what it means. God has used us in mighty ways already. Your city. He has blown open the doors of all expectations. We're part of a movement. And I'm going to ask anybody here if it's not. And first off, if you don't know Jesus at all, you're not part of the movement yet. I'm going to invite you to put that on your connect card and tell somebody. Don't just say, I think I'm going to do that. Go talk to somebody. Let us help you through that. What does that mean? We want to know people's names. We want to know the community. The community is better off because we're in it. And, and this, these two chapters, Jesus exemplified absolutely everyone. He made disciples. He knew their names. They knew that he knew their names. The community was better off because he was in it. He was extremely generous because God so loved the world that he kept. No. That he held back. That he gave his one and only son who made his dwelling among us. Amen. Father, we love you. We're amazed by you. We're amazed at what you have done. Not only in this church. (coughs) But worldwide, people are waking up. Fathers, this is a. A movement that you've had us be a part of. We thank you for the privilege and the honor of putting on this full suit of armor. And going and fighting this fight that you've had us fight. Not with weapons of this world. Not against the people that don't know you. But against those who are trying to keep people from knowing you. It's a spiritual battle, God, not a physical one. But the pain and the struggle and the. Sometimes even the hurt and the sweat and the blood and the tears are just as real. Lord, we pray for those who are planting churches. We pray for the thousand churches that we're going to help plant in Thailand this year. We pray for the new thing network that we're a part of that plants churches after churches after churches. That We want to see a hundred churches get planted in Kansas City. May we be part of that movement. As we take this offering, God, that is yours to begin with. And for those of us that are tithers, you allow us to keep 90% what God would do that. Because it's yours. It's in your son's name that we pray. Everybody with great enthusiasm said, Amen. Amen.